Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I can't podcast until my dishes are done. I don't know if you... <laughs> Episode 271 of the 20 Minute Tim's Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm joined by Stephen. Just about, yes, you are. <laughs> You've made it, mate. I dragged you out of your sick bed <laughs> to perform this podcast. And Melly. Yes. Uh, and just before we begin, we would just like to say this podcast is audio only this week. There is no YouTube yes. video. You will be missing it. Um, it's also on the Wednesday because our poor friend Stephen has been really ill. <laughs> But there's so much to talk yeah. about. Force you yeah. to the microphones. Yeah, an apology and an explanation first as well. As you as you described on Twitter, I've suffered the worst case of battle fever mm. the NHS has ever discovered. Mm-mm. Now, what they explained to me is that normally cases go through the roof about 10 o'clock in the morning. Four Sundays of the year, cases just go through the roof. But it usually dissipates about five o'clock. But to have it three days later was alarming. They, they describe me as a medical marvel. They've wow. never seen it before. So, wow. yeah, the, I, the the podcast is obviously delayed the, this week. So apologies for that, folks. But I have been quite ill, and quite it's a, sick immediately after the game. You can take that two ways, but it's the, the literal sense. Stephen, I'm not going to say I'm happy that you were sick. Uh, but what I'm saying <laughs> is it's, it's handy that you were sick, given that the transfer window closed yesterday. And it's actually given us an opportunity to talk about everything that happened in the transfer yeah. window rather than just what we think may or may not happen or yada, yada, yada. And obviously Celtic sailing a deal very close to midnight for Cameron Carter-Vickers means that we can discuss absolutely everything that happened in the transfer window. So, summer transfer window was closed. It was always going to be a big summer for Celtic. Celtic have brought in 13 footballers, but that's not the most important thing, boys. The most important thing is the arguments that happen after the transfer window <laughs> the debates, the back and forward. And I suppose the big question, and we're not going to take any time discussing the terms of reference here, because the big question always was, will Ange get backed? Now, it's far too, it's not a yes or no answer. It is far too complicated just to give a yes or no answer to, is he being backed? Because backed could mean anything or many things. But Melly, how do you feel overall about Celtic's transfer business? I'm very happy with it, to be honest. I thought that I wasn't too hopeful on the Cameron Carter Vickers last night, but to wake up this morning and see that, it was an absolute bonus. I thought that would have been one that really made it a very, very good window. I think Celtic have addressed everything pretty much that I wanted. There's only maybe midfield with a wee bit light, but after the work we had to do, I think we've done very, very well considering everything we went through, considering... By mid-July, I think we'd only had Urigidi and Sean. So to get, what, 10-plus players since then and all of them look like they will contribute to the first team, I think we've done very well. Stephen, I have seen fan reaction on social media from absolute delight to fans calling this a disgrace. The board have shafted the fans again. It's odd to me 
that such extremes in opinion can exist when we're all witnessing the same event here. We're all, we're all seeing the same thing. Now, some fans, you know, are more invested in the, the, the spending and the income and the outgoings and the balance sheet side of football than other fans and all that. But what's so peculiar to me is how some people can think on one hand that this has been a board shafting, that, that this is... Um, some people even said it's the fans' fault for letting the board get away with shafting us and blah, blah, blah. And some people are absolutely delighted by this transfer window. Where on that spectrum do you lie? Well, I think I think my massive theatrical sigh during when you were saying that may have given me away slightly mm. before I start to talk. But what I will say is we will be proven right or wrong. Either side of those extremes or maybe just in the middle will be proven right or wrong in the fullness of time. Yeah. How this season goes will will be the pudding there. You know, the proof will be in the pudding, as mm. they say. But I have to say, that I don't want to come across as all club apologist here. As long-term listeners will know, we were as restless and unsettled as anyone was last season with how things were going. But I honestly think the catastrophizing of this has been comical. Yeah. But f- frankly, I think some people have become addicted to the daily grind of complaining about absolutely everything Celtic do, and I find the whole thing tiresome, to be it's honest. It's all right to Again, complain, isn't it? But it's yeah, this oh yeah, what gets me. It's this, yeah. I just say catastrophe. It's a disaster. To quote Tommy Sheridan, <laughs> it's a disaster. It's a catastrophe. The King of the Celtic shafted. fans. Look, I'm not a bold happy clap. As you say, Stephen, it's almost impossible to draw full conclusions on the transfer window here. Yeah. Because all these players could be duds. We went through that last season. At the yeah, end of the yeah. window, we thought we had a great window, and the fullness of time, it was a terrible window. Aye, but, I can look back on to draw the conclusions just now, as you say, I don't see this as the catastrophe that some people are seeing it. Well, it might be, but the fact is we just don't know yet because mm. you know, on the surface of things, we have just signed the J League's top scorer, Joe Hart, who is Joe Hart. Yeah. <laughs> a Sweden centre half from the top flight of Russia, a Croatian international right back that everyone was crying out for. A highly rated Benfica winger who could end up costing what is it, six or seven million, I think yeah. he's valued that just now. A very expert, everybody knows who James McCarthy is, of course. Leah Labada, who's been terrific so far, and a, a handful of developing younger players shipped out a load of Deadwood and admittedly a few first team regulars as well, but they were all desperate to go, so it's not as if we've lost any any real assets from the first team. Well, I'm keen to point out here, I think the important thing to remember for everyone is that we have to take into account where exactly we are mm. at the moment. Yeah. This is, and it's a word we've used over and over again, it's a rebuild. We we are building everything to do with first team operations from the ground up. To think that that was going to be done in one transfer window and in time for one derby when we were already going into it as massive underdogs having no one one for about eighteen months or whatever it is, I think is over the top at, at this moment in time. Now, am I going to sit here and say it's okay to lose the Rangers? Never in my life. But we need to take into account what damage was done last season. Yeah. And we are trying to I put that right. I think that's a right. key point for me that I'll yeah. get to, but Melee wants to come in. Yeah, well, it's just going to be on that. We sat here at the end of last season through the summer saying McGregor and Turnbull, and that's it. That's it. That's all we could be left with. And we went out and addressed every position around there. We've brought in a, a goalkeeper, a fullback four, brought in James McCarthy, and we brought in a brand new front three. We have replaced everything we had to and you look at the Celtic the outgoings and there's a lot of players there yes we replaced most of them but a lot of them didn't play football last year or didn't contribute we wanted them out so to go from this and to say it's going to be so difficult for Celtic to get in so many players you're looking at 9-10 for them to do that and for most of them to look good and we complained about last season so much that we wanted it gone, we wanted it completely forgotten about and to only really have Turnbull McGregor from that and have this brand new team that we can get behind, that we can get believing, it's exactly what I've wanted. Yes, maybe we could have one more midfielder but to get everything else was probably, I didn't expect it to happen for Celtic so I'm glad it has and I, I can get full behind it. It's been a wild summer, one of the weirdest we've had supporting Celtic but now the transfer window shut all the questions have been answered we just need to get behind this team now and see what we can do it's been exciting so far and there's been more players come in the guys that left at the weekend there Christy and Edward good luck to them they just didn't look like they wanted to be here anymore I don't want MD on board like that I want everybody on board with Ange and the players and this is what we've hopefully got now 
I mean, there's the players that left, right? And th- I am nervous about this window. Um, and I'll explain why in a wee bit. But th- in terms of the numbers we brought in, this is the most amount of first team players we've brought in since I could look back, since well over a yeah. decade, the most amount of first team players we've brought in and it was required. Yep. Now, if I had to grade the transfer window in terms of players in, I'd probably say it's a, a B minus. I think we could have done with um, another central midfielder. I'm nervous about how much football um, Carl McGregor is going to have to play. I'm nervous about the upcoming reliance on Tom Rogic. I'm also nervous about some of the players that have come in. You know, I'm nervous about losing Edward and replacing them with uh, Gio Marcus because it's an unknown quantity and we've well, still we to see we still could to see say Kyogo's the replacement for Edward I'd say we, we, we could say Kyogo's the replacement for that's fine but I'm just saying I'm nervous about Gio Marcus coming in and Jota and, yeah, Paki. yeah what's his name come on let's <laughs> nail this before I get hammered for it in the comments Yakumakis I believe it's a soft G so Yakumakis Yakumakis almost like Jackie Mac but yeah, the Greek Yakumakis but I also accept that there's maybe a limit to how many players you can sign in a window. I mean, if we're, yeah. you know, we look, I, I won't, I won't say I wanted another two players in, right? To, that, that's, that's touching 15 players, 15 first team players in one window. Is that, is a, has a team ever done that before? Is that realistic? Is that achievable? I don't know. It's, don't know, are, it's when does the, op, when does the window open? First of June closes yeah. on the 31st of August. So that's what, about 90, 90 odd days, mm. one a day. Easily get oh, in well, 90, 90 players. Right. So I'm not saying <laughs> if it's, the boards were doing their business. I'm not saying Celtic have done everything they possibly could here. I say B minus. I would give this transfer window if I was if it was on the report card. And obviously, it remains to be seen how good these guys are going to be. But I kind of feel like the patient was on the operating table. The major surgery's done. They've taken the lung out. Yep. They've put the lung back in. They've put the brain back in. They've put an ear back on. <laughs> and all they just need to do now is like stitch on a couple of toenails and a couple of fingers here and there. Do you know, I feel like there's, the minor surgery can be done in January, but the major surgery's been done now. What condition does this patient have? They've, Yours? Uh, that shark attack. <laughs> <laughs> shark attack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think the tearing off of the plaster was always going to be, to use another tired um, medical analogy there it was always going to be this one and that's why I'm keen to remind that the damage the amount of damage that was done last season chasing this the stuff and all, all the terrible decisions that were made in the last two or three seasons building towards this massive achievement that wasn't finally sealed it was just we were adrift from that point on and we're trying people are trying to fix it but it's not going to be done in one window it, from this point on it should be three in four out or something like in January it should be that it should be maintenance it should be just strengthening key mm. the sort of standard line we hear about transfer windows two or three pieces of quality in the right positions it should be that from now on but today yeah. this window was always going to be the major one and I mean everybody's talking about rebuild and this is I mean it's yeah. a re- it, the rebuild is taking place but we're living we're living through it Obviously, there were some high-profile outgoings. We'll talk. We'll, we'll talk about the incomings, and we'll pick one or two players to talk about. But the high-profile outgoings of Ayer, Christie, and Edward. Don't need to spend too much time talking about Ayer either. We've discussed that at the, at the time. Yeah. We should have kept Christie until we should. Have, these guys wanted to go, so there's no. Yeah. We should have kept Christie, or you know, for me, Christie, Ayer, Edward, and then Cham are all basically in the same basket. They all more or less told Celtic they had no intention of being here any longer. Celtic had a, tab- a contract on the table for Ryan Christie since last Christmas. And, and, and the guy didn't want to sign it. So th- there's no keeping these guys. They were definitely gone. They were players who were not going to contribute anymore to Celtic's future. When you look at it, like Celtic kind of got what they wanted from these guys. I was away early, so was in Cham, but... Like most things, these things heat up towards the very end of the window. It's no coincidence there's deals flying about last night. But from Celtic's point of view, we use these guys to get through qualifiers. If it wasn't for Edward last week against AZ, I don't think Celtic would be in the Europa League. Christie has made Mm. contributions in most games he's played in this season as well. So while the two of them didn't play well on Sunday there, they made contributions that got Celtic into the Europa League. And three, four weeks ago, we didn't think that would be possible now that they're gone, it's goodbye and we move on, we've got new things in, but to just throw these guys as if, or just give them another year then sell them, 
it's no football manager. These guys have got short careers that they're going to want the best for them. And that's completely fine with me. To get the money we got for Odson Edward, with a year left in his deal, considering just over four months he can sign a pre-contract with somebody. Celtic did very well. The same with Christopher Ayer and money for Ryan Christie that... Well, the guy with six months left in his deal, we've done very well to bring these uh, this money in, I think. I said about Edward a few weeks ago that there was no point in trying to, you know, quote, get him motivated. Just get him motivated and you'll be good and yeah. let him go for free at the, at the end of the season because it's gone. It was clearly gone and that has been proven with his most recent, you know, performance at Highbrox. It's, it's over for him or it was for a long time. Now, I kind of, I went back on that because... You know, I reserve the right as a football fan to get carried away with things. If I see his name and Kyogo's on a lineup, I have the right to be excited about that, despite having believed and having stated that I think it's over for him. Because, you know, quite frankly, that's what it's all about. I'd, I'd be foolish to double down on my own pish. I'll just admit I was wrong <laughs> for getting carried <laughs> yeah. away uh, with Don't Edward going back. Double did. <laughs> exactly. So I was right the first time around. I just I said, you know, there's. It's senseless trying to keep you hold of these guys when it's so clearly over, when their their minds are elsewhere. And not only that, sometimes it just goes stale for players when they've yeah. been at a club for too long. And that's you know potentially what's happened here with the likes of Christie and especially Edward. Now Christie, we believe, has been angling for a move for a couple of seasons now, probably. It was a dream as... he always he always had a thing for Bournemouth, apparently. <laughs> you see that? Loves the loves the seaside. But it's like He's been at Celtic for a long time and he's been in Scottish football for an even longer time. So I think he's going into his ninth season in Scottish football. He probably sees this as his last opportunity to move anywhere. I didn't say big move there because it's, it's Bournemouth at the end of the day, but he probably just fancies Is going Bournemouth to England. Is Bournemouth tinpot? Because I've, I've, been, I've been curious because Bournemouth seems to be tinpot when Ryan Christie joins them. But Bournemouth aren't tinpot when we want their old manager. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I I don't cast these aspersions on other clubs, frankly, because I find it fairly sneering and ridiculous. But I, I wouldn't call it a big move. But sometimes players just they, they just want a new challenge. They just mm. I don't know for whatever reason feel unmotivated and bored by their current environment, and they just want to move. It happens all the time. We shouldn't really be surprised by that. It's nothing new in football. So it was it's probably time for him to go as well. It's disappointing because he'd come in and looked so good this season in a few appearances. Wasn't he great at Ibrox, of course, but he never is. So it's disappointing to see him, you know, go for, you know, go for a quite surprising move like that. Mm. But looking but back, it's, it's, we should probably admit that was over as well. You probably just draw a line under these things as well. Eventually, for a, for a club point of view, you know what I mean. You, you look, Ange probably, Ange, from my point of view, probably just wants to get on with his job as being a yeah, football yeah. manager. So now, I expect, you know, he's 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 looking at all that's done. After the window, and he's like, right, probably like good. I don't have to deal with the Edward thing anymore. Don't have to deal with the I or the I don't have to deal with any of this more. Everyone who's here yeah. wants to be here. They're my boys, or they're, they've stayed and they're committed to me. And he's got a, a solid squad he can work with and go forward with. Yeah, I think you're right there. When you're looking at these deals, very rarely the Celtic go out and most of the players they bring in are on long-term contracts. We've done that, and the two guys we've got in on loan have option to buys. That is very, very rare for Celtic. So this team that we've built here, as Stephen said, now we can just sprinkle in wee bits of quality in the next window and the next window after that because you'd like to think if these players are good, we can have them about for two, three seasons maybe and then they move on. With Jota and Carter Vickers, it gives us a chance to look at them and see are they going to be good enough and if they are, we have the option to buy them. So we went out and we've made permanent signings near enough for all these guys. We've spent... A lot of money for, in terms of Celtic, considering we haven't been in the Champions League for a long time. Now, we did mm. bring in money, but that should be the way Celtic works. We sell players for big money and replace them quickly. This was a horrible, horrible situation to be in, but I think Celtic dealt with it as best they can. Because don't forget as well, we've no chief scout, we've no head of recruitment. It's We need a director of football in. We were trying to balance a lot of plates here, so it's. I think they've done well out of it. Right. It's important to point as well, Melly, that you know you don't. These aren't excuses for Celtic. These are also no. problems Celtic have. Oh, we don't have a chief. Well, that's your problem as well. But what I was, I would point is, but this is a, a mess that the chief executive and the manager were left. I've seen like you know yeah. Don McKay, you know, tarred with the same. But oh, he's just a continue a bored puppet. He's no date. What could he? What could he possibly do? 
in the busiest month in football or the busiest two months in football to prove to you that he's not just a continuation of people, Peter Law. And this is what sort of gets my goat a wee bit. Like, there's Nate, like, the big question, will Ange be backed? Before we even had this discussion, and there's a lot of big fans groups, you know, protesting that Ange should be backed, nobody actually sat down and went what backed looks like. Because if they sign 12 players, they could turn around and go, well, he's not got 13. Well, he's got 30. Well, he's not got 14. Ah, oh, well, there's two loans. Ah, oh, well, we only spent... You know, I've seen comments like, well, 50 million was brought into the club and only 20 million went out. That is so... I'm not here to defend the board, right? I don't really care. But that... But get your facts right, because that's not the way transfers work. People didn't just dump £50 million in the Celtic's bank account all at once and it's all sitting there ready to get spent on players. It's There's so much to consider, especially last season with COVID and stadium shutdown. And there's just, it's there's a lot to talk about here and there's a lot to consider before you just say, aye, it was brilliant, not with shite. We'll see on that, that particular point and on Jota in particular. I keep saying the word particular there. Mm. I'm, I'm ill, guys. My brain isn't working properly. But see, just on those specific facts there, Jota is on loan with an option to buy, as already discussed, and he has a reported value of about 6.57 million, whatever it is, right? So that's that's still an asset of that value in the playing squad. So in terms of the expenditure, would people be happy if the money was already out of the bank account? Because that would represent a greater spend. Yeah. On the, but, I think but people we've would. still got him. But we've yeah. still got him in the squad. So what does the expenditure mean? So this is I, what I, I don't this understand. Is what I mean, you go and you're sitting at a Yeti. And right, we're stuck yeah. with this five, seven million pound can, player. This is it. You can make arguments for absolutely everyone. When you're sitting at Celtic Park, when you're sitting up at Parkers, right, on a Saturday <laughs> or a Sunday and you're watching the team and Jota's tearing it up, you're not going, ah, but he, but we don't we, we didn't actually spend actual money for him. He's only the, nah, you need to I, I appreciate that the financial the financials of the club are important and all that, but some people get their wires crossed a wee bit. And like you say, the loan we option to buy, so he might cost us six point five. Now, devil's advocate might be yeah, but that's that works in Benfica's favour because if we just went out with four million, we could have got him. But you want to borrow him first, you're paying two million for the loan and then you have to pay an extra, you know, whatever it works out at, you know, that might be the downside. But the, the income expenditure argument, Stephen, that you make, it's, it's, it, there are very few compelling arguments to me no. at the moment um, than this. We brought in X amount and, sorry, we sold for X, but we bought, bought for Y because it's all relative and it's all complicated, I think. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, like if I just want to caveat that by saying, obviously, if it was a piss take, obviously, if we sold all of our best players, <laughs> right? Obviously, if we sold IR, Edward, Christie, um, got all these guys off the wage bill, Brown got all of them, and we brought in three guys for 500 grand each, then I'd be wondering where the money is. Oh, but yeah, I don't yeah. think we've, I, I don't think we've really penny pinched this summer, is the point I'm well, making. Look, look at the list I gave at the top of this, that like I described all the players on paper, who they are and what they are. That for me represents what business has been done more than the expenditure. As, yeah. as I said, the J League's top scorer, or how many international caps, how many appearances in this league and this top league between them and all that. The the Croatian right back, that I represents think, to me sorry, the level of targets. So. Just I think it it's a wee bit different because we're off the back of a derby defeat, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, See if yeah. this game had to been the first game after the window and we got all these players in, we'd go, Oh, look at that, we're looking really strong. But <laughs> because it comes off the back of a defeat where it's one of those ones we could have done a bit better in the game, it maybe just it extenuates a wee bit. Yeah, I mean look, that, of course. I mean, look, you could field Hart, Juranovic, Starfield, CCV, Carter Vickers, that is, Scales, McCarthy, Abada, Yoto, Kyogo and uh, Geomachus. What? What? <laughs> Yoto. Did I say Yoto? <laughs> Yota? Look. Right, okay, it's difficult to read all these names off the sheet, right? The point I'm making is that's the majority. We've been back into that Japanese market, folks. We brought in Yoto in a deadline busting <laughs> swoop. I can never slag Baggy Bonner again. Um, but the point I was making there was that's the that's almost a brand new start to live in. Sprinkling a few of the, the better players for last year, that's almost a brand new start to live in we've brought in. Now, I, I, look, we're going to have these players scouted as we always do. Scouting podcast coming out next week. Uh, professionally scouted, discussed on the podcast. We'll have it next week on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash 20 minute times, you know, by now. So I'm not saying all these players are, it's all rosy in the garden and all these players are brilliant. For the eighth time on this podcast, yeah. because what I don't want is any of these guys to be absolute flops and some guy to go, oh, you all said it was brilliant. No, we didn't. What no, we're saying no. is, in terms of the rebuild, in terms of surgery, in terms of getting bodies in the door, it's not a fucking catastrophe, but it's no party <laughs> time either. 
<laughs> no, and see that list of players I, I gave earlier on. I forgot to even mention the Eredivisie's top scorer last season as well. If somebody yeah. had said that at the start of the window, we're going to we're going to get the top scorer in Holland in the door as well for very very little money. One or two alarm bells about that transfer, I have yeah. to say. Yeah, I'm skeptical about it's him. It's a little bit fishy, I reckon. Mm. But Wait, I mean, what do you mean by fishy? You need to expand on that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, I look at his career. And you don't score 26 or 28 goals or whatever it was in the Eredivisie by accident. Let me be clear about that. Just like Lee Griffith's yeah. career hasn't be, hasn't to be written off because of what's happened since. You don't score that number of goals by accident. But I look at his age and his career to date and it really is a load of nothing. And mm-hmm. then one season of 26 or whatever. It, 20, I can't remember the exact amount of goals. And it happens to be last season. So I don't know whether he's just season been held back but I don't know whether he's just been held back through injury and all that. No, I'm not for a single second writing this guy off at all. It just, it raised an eyebrow or two round this way when, I'm I, nervous when about, I had a look at his career. I, I, yeah. no, I'll be, I'll be yeah. honest, I'm nervous about I mean, it sounds like the kid had a hot hand last year, as they say in, in basketball, you know. He's a, a really good hot season, but the fact is I think he scored more goals that season than the rest of his professional career combined. Now, another thing is, I've seen Ewan Murray ask this question and get derided for it, but I thought there was some merit in it. How do, how does it Celtic and it's only Celtic and Werder Bremen fighting it out for the Eredivisie's top goal scorer when Werder Bremen themselves got just relegated last season? I think how how does that situation come about? How come he only cost us two and a half? There's a lot of questions here, hmm. um, and also the sort of Celtic's striker recruitment historically historically has been poor. Yes. And there's been a lot of guys that have come to Celtic, Rasmussen, Skepovic, with, um, God, who was the Moroccan guy that we signed? Um, you can't even remember. Oh, they go, Lassad. Lassad. All these guys had really good scoring records and ended up at Celtic and didn't really replicate it. Now, Scott McDonald had a good scoring record and replicated at Celtic, obviously, and, and it can go both ways. But, yeah, I'm. I'm. I am skeptical about about that transfer. Seems a wee bit too good to be true. Maybe full time provocateur, part time journalist, yeah. Ewan Murray, the exhausting Randall. doc. It looks like had. Randall from uh, Recess. <laughs> See on his point about why bigger clubs should have been in for him. I know what he means, but I also don't really know what he means because who who's he talking about? I don't, like Juventus aren't going to sign a guy for VVV Benlo because he scored a lot of goals and. The Netherlands, neither are Man City or anything like that. So I think English clubs have long given up on the Eredivisie because there have been so many flops yeah. from they that don't league. Travel. Yeah, who have scored a load of goals in Netherlands. There are obvious exceptions like Rid van Nistelrooy and Van Persie and Suarez and all that, but there are it's littered with total duds. So I think English clubs have kind of had their fingers burnt a wee bit. So who are we really talking? What so Celtic can't compete with well, second be saying, tier like, European yeah, clubs? Aye, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, I mean He'd be looking at it, going, you know, why are the why are mid-table English clubs, why are championship clubs, why are not ha- clubs higher up there? The divisi wise, it seems like it seemed like this guy was wanted by two clubs, mm, which was yeah. which was which was uh, which was unusual. But then again, look, another point that I draw about this transfer window, and I'm always trying to look at things within the context of what's happening. Like, you know, is is what my expectations? What are they grounded in? Where's the baseline? You know, there's an awful lot of criticism for Celtic about not doing this and not doing that, and we do it as well on this podcast. But you know, one thing we've spoken about a lot in this podcast is the rebuild should happen in January, so you're ready for the summer. Well, no club does that. It's just mm. you're asking to do. You're asking for something that for Celtic that no club in Europe does ever. January yeah. is typically a quiet window, so you can just forget mostly about about doing that. But I'm looking at it going. The transfer window wasn't enormously busy. And I looked at some point through mid-July there and Celtic had done more transfer business than anyone in the UK apart from, I think, Watford. They've probably signed more first-team players than anyone in the country. Celtic, I would hazard a guess, have probably signed more first-team players than anyone in Europe. And you look at it go, well, that is the market Celtic are operating in. And again, I'm not saying everything's rosy, but I'm just comparing Celtic's situation with what's going on at other clubs. If, if you disagree with me, any of you two, just talk me down here. I want no. a bit of lively debate on this podcast. No, but no. I don't think... Nah, we're all bored shows around here, mate. We're, we're all in the pocket of big Celtic. I wish, man. See, I Celtic, see if Celtic want to sponsor this podcast. I do have money, man. Jeez. I do agree that like, most of the positions have been filled, but again, we have got huge question marks over a lot of them. Is Scales going to be a left-back? 
is Cameron Carter-Vickers going to slot in there beside Starfelt and take Stephen Welsh's place? Or what, is Starfelt going to be the player I think he can? Is James McCarthy going to be fit enough? Is mm. Jack Amakis going to be this target man, we think? Or is he going to be a guy we bring off the bench? There's even... Jota, we don't have, we've never, I've not even seen him yet, I've only seen clips, so there's a lot of questions over these guys, but the guys we've brought in already, Kyogo, Abada, have all made contributions so yeah. far, so I'm willing to give everybody a fair crack of the whip here, you look, you're signing 12, 13 players, if 10 of them are good, that is unbelievable business, mm. so if you're saying <laughs> maybe 8 are good, it's not all going to be rosy. Again, it's not football manager, but we went out and addressed near enough everything we should have after being in an absolute mess. So from that point of view, I'm happy with that. But time will tell if it's good and we've got plenty of games to show it. I mean, at the end of the day, there was always going to be negatives for the transfer window. Not everybody was going to be happy. Not everything was going to go. It was never going to be a 100% no. perfect transfer window and you can focus on the negatives you know you could sit and you know do a podcast or a blog or a video or turn your twitter account to the fact that Celtic have missed you know a centre half or a, a sorry a central midfielder and that can be your sole focus your sole takeaway from the transfer window can be we've missed a key position and for you that's the bottom line and that's completely unacceptable and that's fine that's just we, we don't propagate anybody else's opinion on this podcast we are just three guys who give our own opinion and this is just my takeaway for the, the transfer window I am Slightly concerned. I've got some questions over some of the quality of the arrivals. I think that remains to be yeah. seen. I think overall, as Stephen said, this podcast won't crystal the same transfer window won't crystallise for a couple of months to see how good these guys that yeah. were brought in actually are. But I, I honestly don't see it as the catastrophe that some people out there have seen it to be. So I, th I think you know. Obviously, as players start to emerge, we start to see some performances from players. We'll be able to give a better, more informed opinion on these guys on the flagship podcast. We are doing, um, as I said, scouting podcast. We have every player that says for Celtic professionally scouted. Those will be out next week. A lot of work to do on that. So, yeah. So, final thoughts on the transfer window before we move to the Rangers game, guys. And I want you to give it a grade. So, me, I'm giving it a B-. minus. Um, basically, a two players short of a starting 11 plus some subs. B-. minus. Oh, I think it's just the midfield that's... I'll give Scales yeah. a chance to show that he's decent. Uh, and up front, I think we've done well enough. So I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. Oh, you fucking <laughs> You absolute... A, 2 and D. Uh, you sausage. Stephen. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Grading systems. Nobody cares what grade I put on it. But I'll say I'm quite happy with it. So what about B? Right, there we go. So I got a B... <laughs> An 8 out of 10, and then I don't care anyway. Brilliant, excellent, useful I'll exercise. I'll give an 8 Thank out you. of 100. Yeah. <laughs> if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Alton Edward, uh, I've got to admit, it was difficult watching those videos um, of Odson Edward doing his stuff, all the compilation videos, Panenka and Craig Gordon, seeing Craig Gordon's raging wee face all over again. Um, Crystal Palace <laughs> shamelessly stealing a oh. Celtic chat. I mean, that that was toe-curling. Cultural appropriation. Aye, that was pretty toe-curling when I, when, I, when I saw that happen. I've never seen a club just do that before. Maybe I'm just not aware. Maybe it happens well, all the time. They've done it for Stuart Armstrong as well, didn't they? Yeah, so that, that was about the, the only time they've ever done that. And so. as we... Jan Venegar of Hesselink, I suppose. It's kind of the thing. No, that, that was the Celtic, though. Celtic didn't officially unveil Jan Venegar no, no, with a stolen song. Nah, no, I suppose not. We didn't really do those videos back then, did we? Yeah, happier so, times. I know, happier times. When, when social media didn't exist, Edward's a quality player. I, and I'm not even going to entertain any discussion about whether he was better than Dembele or Grimble, blah, blah, blah. This is, this is odds in Edward's moment, Stephen, and that's what we're going to talk about. We have lost an absolute gem of a player Nine million pound for me, Odson Edward. It just shows you you get what you pay for. And the majority <laughs> of the time, <laughs> you get what you you go out and you buy a nine million pound project or prospect rather from PSG, who comes to the club. We had them on loan first of all. Went out and bought them. Just completely proved the model. We sold them the dream. We had people bemoaning that we only got eighteen and a half million pound for him, and he was leaving anyway. Could have signed for someone for three and four months' time, but you're also. How can you put a price on memories, Stephen? <laughs> Beautiful, I know. <laughs> yeah, how can you put a price on memories? No, you're absolutely right. I'm not. I, I kind of get in on this this stuff where everybody just piles in on players just for leaving these days. I know. I said uh, on our reaction to the Rangers game at the weekend, which we'll come on to discuss here, that it, it's a shame that you know he, he couldn't turn in another one last performance against Rangers because his, history would look a lot more kindly upon him if he'd gone out in a blaze of glory in that game than having missed an absolute sitter with the ball skewing mm. off his heel and going wide. But uh, you have to... What I said about Scott Brown when he finished up at Celtic was that it, too often people make it about how it ended rather than their career as a whole. And Odson Edward has been an absolute roaring success for Celtic. Oh, yeah. He's been an absolutely tremendous signing. One of the best in modern times. And I, I know you, you can say that and people say, oh, what about this? What about A? What about B? What about these other players? Aye, I know everybody's got their opinions and all that, but it's, Odson Edward has been an absolutely terrific mm-hmm. signing for Celtic. These guys, yes, like, these guys, him and Ayer and Christie and all that, they might have been part of the team that, quote, blew the 10 and all that. Yeah. But they were also a huge part of the team, crucial parts of the team that won the nine. secured the nine. <laughs> you know, one nine more the quadruple treble. And the, yes, correct me, like the quadruple treble and all that. These things aren't coming around again no. anytime soon. No. And we should celebrate these things when they come to an end. Um, as, much, as hard as it is for us to accept it at the time, it's long gone now and we can look back on it and the players who achieved it with hopefully some fond memories and gratitude and Odson Edward was an enormous part of that not least having scored the goal that, that clinched the treble treble was that yes. yep. the, the one against Hearts of course yeah some of my best moments supporting Celtic in recent years that goal at Ibrox right up there yeah, right, oh, yeah. best moments Celtic moments of my life the treble treble goal like un, just an unbelievable footballer and it was it, there was a there was a time when he was just unplayable he was just absolutely, these bums in this league could not get near him. <laughs> they could not get near him. They just had to watch in awe as, as Rod, Odds and Edward danced through this Celtic Park pitch. And he, he was, I mean, you'd never compare any player to Larson, right? And that's not what you do. That Saying he is arguably one of the best players since Larson, by the way, is not saying he is as good or as better as Larson. <laughs> no. That's not saying that. But That's a period of time rather than a, yeah. a connection to Larson. Yeah. But there is absolutely no doubt that he is in that bracket. Oh, he's, he's up there for me. I've, I've loved watching him play. And he's one of these guys that I just thought, 
I'm, I'm looking forward to watching you play because you never know what you're going to get from it. And I mean that in a good way. You never know what he's going to pull out the bag because he had pretty much everything in his locker. He improved so much at Celtic from that first season coming in towards the end of that league campaign and then the next season was absolutely brilliant and we just never got to see him and Dembele up front and don't forget as well, Odson Edward was a brilliant player for Celtic, some great goals, over 20 goals in the last three seasons as well, brilliant player but I kind of feel that Odson Edward was always there for Celtic, Odson Edward came in as a young guy and played pretty much 40 games a season for Celtic mm. with no backup. Dembele left, Lee Griffiths was AWOL most of the time and he took it upon himself to be the main man up there. And like the, We all know Lee Griffiths let Celtic down so many times that we're all glad he's gone. And as well, Moussa Dembele went in a strop. He went in a strop and demanded to leave. Odson Edward might have wanted to leave, but he still played for Celtic and he still gave as much as he could whether he could have done a wee bit better possibly but when your mind's not on it your mind's not on it and I hope people remember that in the fullness of time because I don't think he quite let Celtic down yes he didn't play well sometimes nobody did last season but he was always there and boy oh boy did he pull us out of many many a hole because treble treble definitely wouldn't have happened without him and the quadruple treble I don't think that would have either it would have been interesting to see if that season had to finished I think he would have got 30 odd goals for Celtic so yeah. we just got robbed of that and then last season was a poor one but overall great player for Celtic and as Jamie said you get what you pay for and boy did he pay his back as Google just assisted me with Bon Nuit du Prince oh What's that? Scholars, scholars maintain the translation was lost hundreds of years ago, but I believe it was "Good night, sweet prince" in Aww, French. <laughs> that's the, the "Good night, the sweetest of sweetest princes." Um, I did find it funny again on social media that what these footballers like when they join your clubs—they just wheel out platitudes about. So everyone that comes to Celtic Park, every single player goes, can't wait to play in front of the fans. Blah blah blah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we get it. Uh, Ryan Christie with his um, hilarious. Uh, I've always had a soft spot for Bournemouth. <laughs> Shut up. No one has a short, soft spot for Bournemouth, Ryan. Um, and also, grew up uh, admiring Ryan Fraser. Yeah, and also um, uh, Odson Edward. Uh, it's a dream come true. No, it's no one's dream to sign for Crystal Palace, Odson. Come on, I mean, just a final point on Odson Edward. Obviously, Crystal Palace, good club, good club for you know down there. Did London decent enough move for him? He can move beyond that though, can't he? Well, I suppose that's probably the idea. But again, I, I, just, I try not to judge people on their. You know, kind of individual. We'll get off my podcast then, because that's what we're here for. <laughs> Their individual ambitions and all that. It might just want to be, you know, on the stage. It might just want to be in England, yeah, as I you mean, say, living in yeah. London and all that. Walking under the era. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure he's a national, a national hero of his and all that. If that's not a very lazy and potentially racist, never met each other. Never. <laughs> you're assuming just because they're both French, they're pals. <laughs> <laughs> never met each other. Jean Michel Jarre, David Guetta as well, big right. big pals with, with Odson Edward. It, it's it's an obvious connection to make. It's a big big footballing name in that part of the world. Van Dijk said that obviously Koeman was a big factor in his development down there as well. Maybe some similar to that. I'm sure the idea is to move on eventually. He's still very young. People make yeah. these Van Dijk comparisons when they talk about Tierney and Ayer and to a lesser extent Edward. They, these guys are all a lot younger than Van Dyke was when he made that similar move, so they're all way ahead of schedule in that regard. He's 23. What's still only 23. Very, yeah, very, yeah. very, very young player. Keir Tierney definitely wasting his career at Arsenal. Get out of there, kid. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What are you, what are you doing? Relegated. Um, I know. Hudson Edward did obviously feature for Celtic against Rangers. The other big talking point of the week is obviously the Glasgow Derby defeat. Um, we live preview and live reaction for that on Patreon, patreon.com slash 20 minute times if you want to hear our immediate post-match thoughts. But Melly, you've had some time to stew on it, some time to re-watch the game as we always do for this, some time to think on it. How do you feel? I'm still a bit disappointed, but not too disappointed because I still think Celtic are just at the start of this cycle and we've got new players in, it's going to just... Again, like Mitchelland, possibly AZ and this game, just came a wee bit too early for Celtic. We were a wee bit undercooked for it. But there's improvement to be done in Celtic. And 
I think a draw would have been a pretty fair result. It's just that disappointment of losing the goal uh, yeah. from a set piece again was was poor from Celtic. But we had our chances. We possibly had the better chances, but maybe Rangers edged it in the second half. But it it wasn't the best game. But Celtic could have got something out of it, and I think Celtic have got a lot of improvement to do. It, and I think we'll do that to be honest. So disappointed, but not too down. Stephen, for me, I was too optimistic. I went into the game thinking that this Ange ball was unstoppable. We'd batter Rangers. I'd sort of erased all context and history from my mind. I was sort of giving lip service to the fact that Rangers had won the league by 20 points last season. <laughs> um, giving the lip service to the fact that they are probably still the benchmark in Scotland at the moment. And I thought and I thought we would stroll it. And after the game, I was, I was really disappointed with the outcome. Having watched it back, you know, for me, it was a... This is a phrase I've heard a lot about the game, but it was a bit of a coin toss. You know, Odson finishes that yeah. chance. Kyogo finishes his chance. Changes the complexion of the game entirely. Um, I thought for the first time against Rangers in a long time, we looked like a team with a plan. Uh, we were mm. passing it well. There was some really good passages of play. Um, I, after the game, I was bitterly disappointed seeing it, it looked like an old Lennon team. I rewatched the game. I think I was a wee bit unfair in that judgment. I think we, we actually had a game plan. We actually passed it around Rangers from time to time. We looked quite comfortable and competent on the ball. There was some tactical tweaks that we probably should have changed, but I can understand why Ange went for it. And, you know, Melly, we were talking post-game about the the Callum McGregor and the midfield situation. Felt that we were a wee bit underpowered, underpowered in there. But I, I think it, in a strange way, it kind of represents a bit of progress because the last time we, they beat us, it was 4-1. We, were, we never <laughs> yeah. laid a glove on them. Um, I... You know, that we're, we're even a couple of, you know, we're a week on almost from the game. And we've brought in a lot of better players, a lot of good players. I think the, the match at Parkhead is um, is going to be a big, big game. It always was going to be a big game. But I think in many ways that'll be the real the real test for us to see how far we've come. Such a hollow victory, isn't it? It's, we've gone from 4-1 to 1-0. So looking yeah. up, lads, it's a, it's a I mean, look, see when we were winning the league. See, when we uh, were on top, we were pumping them left, right, centre. We were exactly. pumping them 5-0, 4-0, all this sort of thing. They've not touched us. They've not got a hand on us. They've won 4-1, and by that time, the league was done, and our team had basically checked out. You know what I mean? So, a 1-0 uh, win, win at Ibrox through a set piece in a match that could have went either way is how I'd summarise that Glasgow derby. Yeah, in terms of a victory, it feels a bit like my week, and that Celtic have suffered two defeats in a week. Mm. Um, but I've lost half a stone, so every clue. Stephen, how did you lose half a stone in a couple of days? <laughs> oh, hey, oh, what's your detox secret? Hey, fitness fans want to know my secret. It is unpleasant. <laughs> it's overrated trying to lose fat. What you want to do is kick all the water out of your body <laughs> through your anus <laughs> over, over a course of about sixty hours. I uh, just dehydrate yourself, but. Um, <laughs> So, aye, every cloud and all that. But mm. the game itself, I think, um, aye, could have gone either way. Again, I'm not going to sit here and celebrate having lost narrowly to Rangers as if it's anything to crow about whatsoever. But again, context is needed here. We have gone from losing comfortably against them for quite some time, let's face it. There are a couple of draws in there, of course, but we've never looked like we were going to like, gub them the way we used to under mm. Brendan Rodgers. That's, that's a long way off now. I've gone from that to... Uh, game that could have gone either way. I thought the first half was pretty even, had plenty of chance, or oh, had some chances in the first half that looked like pretty even in terms of, I think Celtic actually edged it in terms of the possession. Second half, I thought, kind of lost our way a little bit, especially yeah. towards the end. I think we looked bereft of ideas. Now, I think as much as we've talked up the merits of the transfer window there, I think we're still desperately short on depth in certain mm. positions and yeah, game changers sure. that can come off the bench. Now, again, I'm conscious of saying that after we've just talked up having brought in 12 players, but really bringing in 12 players is basically maintenance at this point. Yeah. Look how many have left. We've basically shipped out about that amount and brought 12 in. So we haven't really done an awful lot of strengthening. This is a maintenance window and a like a turnover window, if you if you like. But when you, you're looking for game changers on that, on that bench, you're looking for somebody to change, sort of change it in your direction. What you're looking at really is Tom Rogic, yeah. a Yeti. That's basically it. I mean, we've not really got much in the way of you know, mercurial talent on there that we can reach back and say, well, change the game, son. We've not even got Mikey Johnson. You know, we've basically not got, we've got guys on the bench who are, without wishing to be disrespectful here, filler. Back up, you're never going to see Uruguide come off the bench in a Glasgow derby. Same with Shaw. 
same way Bane. I mean, we've got, <laughs> we've got guys there who are just taking up squad places because it's almost like an, a contractual obligation to fill these spots. We are effectively turning up to these games with three subs rather than seven because they're the mm. only guys you're going to use. So that's unfortunate. However, had chances to win that and in another day probably could. But I agree with Melee, just to lose to a set piece is very disappointing. And the unfortunate thing about that is Celtic are never, and neither are any club, they're never going to stop conceding from set pieces altogether. It's no. just that it's it's like self-fulfilling now. We've had that all season last year, and now we've conceded two, I think, this year, and everyone's like, oh, it's the same old problems. But these aren't these aren't Ange's issues. No. He's you know, he's trying to deal with new players and a new system and all that. He's not responsible for the amount of set pieces we conceded last season. We're going to need to find a solution to it. But that again, that's not going to come overnight. The old, I mean, look, the blame game was in full flow, especially for that set piece as well. They have, everyone was absolutely copping it. It was Starfelt's fault. It was Joe Hart's fault. It was Ange Postacoglu's fault. I mean, at the end of the day, it was a terrible goal to lose, given a big, strong header of the ball, that much space, that much of a run for a free header at the back post to stick, stick it in the back of the net. I mean, it's it's pretty unforgivable, Melly. Isn't it something that Rangers got that we didn't? They had good delivery on the day and Barisic put in a good ball. But the thing, Rangers were missing Gerard McGregor and Tavernier. And it, while that was a decent opportunity for Celtic, as I said, I just think it came too early. But having to play Balogun at right back meant they had basically three centre-halves attacking our box. And that's difficult. When the, the ball's whipped in, there's four players and there's four Celtic players man-marking them, but somebody loses a man. I don't think it's Starfield. It's either Ralston or Christie. I think it might be Ralston because Hillander goes round the back, but that'll, that'll happen. It was just a mistake there. It's not a another set-piece goal like last season because we were so bad at the last season, but that back five, it was only Welsh that played last season in any meaningful games, so... Mm don't think we can do that but it's a silly one to lose from Celtic and it just sort of shows still there are weaknesses with the physicality at Celtic Welsh isn't the biggest centre half neither Starfelt Juranovic is playing left back when he's a right back we haven't didn't got a lot of height there, did didn't look too comfortable out there well, I think he was alright on the ball but it was just yeah. receiving the ball on the wrong foot it's just Celtic's whole back four were all right footed and then Furuhashi out on the left is right footed as well so and Turnbull in the, the midfield, he was on the left. They're all right-footed players, so there's going to be that imbalance in Celtic, and that's what happened, but it was all going over that side, and everybody was sort of turning inside back into where there was no space. Now we've addressed things in the transfer window. We might have Greg Taylor back, or Scales at left back. Everything might sort of balance itself out now with the team, but just on the day, we things just didn't go away, and Celtic could have done better, but to concede from a set-piece was... Was poor again, but it's just one of these things that happened. It seems you're watching that corner. It seems so basic, Stephen, because Hollander's standing out there, obviously with purpose. He's on the edge of the box with purpose. We don't need someone that's a better header. You don't need somebody. To, you just need to block his run. Yeah. You just need somebody to interrupt his run a wee bit. You need somebody to see that. And and you know you're looking at. I, I, you don't want to point the finger, but obviously, you know we, we try and plan for these things. Maybe it was just a case that Rangers did their homework, saw how we set up for set pieces and found an exploit in it and it's something yeah. that we, ha we have to work on, we have to learn on, maybe we just didn't plan for it. But someone there for me, it's so obvious what Hellander's doing. Someone yeah. in that box needs to say, look, stand in front of him, go and grab his shirt, do some of the dark arts or blocky, do something. From replays, it looks like Stephen Welsh did spot him lurking back there on his own, just, just from the camera shot. It's impossible to tell what Stephen Welsh is literally looking at at that moment, but mm. it looks as if he's looking in Hellander's direction. But for whatever reason, as can probably happen in a crowded box with tussling going on and all that, it becomes distracted by something else and all of a sudden Hellander's gone and he, Welsh never looks back at him again mm. until Hellander has already arrived on top of Starfelt. I've seen, yeah, I've seen Starfelt blamed for it, but it just so happens he was the closest to the ball when it arrived. I don't think you can blame him for the breakdown in the marking that led to Hellander stealing a run on the entire defence. So once yeah. that starts, it's very difficult to halt that momentum. And if he gets the jump on you, very, very difficult. I've even seen... Joe Hart blamed for it as well, which I find absurd, if I'm honest, because when you see where the goal is actually scored hey, from... A couple of safeties left. Yeah, he did, yeah. When you see where the goal is actually scored from, 
it's almost like the corner of the six yard box at the it's about five yards out rather than six but it's from that corner at Joe Hart's mm. back post so what you're expecting Joe Hart to do is abandon his goal run through a crowd of players and get a punch on it what happens if his run's checked what happens if he runs into a load of players Aye. he's just left an empty net so I, I, I can't blame him for that at all yes he could have leapt but heroically leapt above everyone and punched it clear to the halfway line but I think that is extremely unlikely given the crowd of players that were around him actually I think the transfer window the Alkmaar game the Rangers game I think that shows us that you know there's work to be done at Celtic there's, there's still there's still a lot of work to be done to get reality us back. checks in it. Yeah, uh, quite timely reality checks. It, where we need to be, and it seems that you know we all thought. I mean, we brought out a series of podcasts called Project Rebuild. I mean, everyone knew there was a rebuild taking place, yeah. but it seems that on individual match days, even we forget it. You know, we know that a rebuild is needed at Celtic. We know that we need players in key areas. But before the Rangers game, we're like, oh, we're going to smash them. We're going to beat them three 0 that. Like, we, it seems. That's what it's all about, though, isn't it? I that's know. What I mean, that's what that's what happens. And then, you know, transfer window comes. You bring in twelve players, and you go. Actually, we needed fourteen, but we thought, well, if we needed fourteen or fifteen players, why did we think we were going to beat Rangers? It's like this. It's it's so contradictory. Your thought processes on this, and the, the Altmar game was another one. That was a really really tough test. A really tough test. That Altmar game. We got through it. We got into the draw for the Europa League, which I get something we wrote off. We wrote off getting into the Europa yeah. League. Yeah. And in, in there with Leverkusen, Real Betis, and Ferenc Varos. A wee bit of revenge on the cards there mm. for us. Melly, AZ game and eventual transfer into the Europa League. Yeah, the AZ game was a, a difficult one after Seems the like flying. Seems like months ago now. Oh, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Seems after like a month the ago. flying start from Kyogo, and then it was just. Individual mistakes again. Joe Hart, I don't know what he's doing. Yes, Stephen Welsh could have done better, but Joe Hart, you have to go and meet that. And he had about three opportunities and he just kept delaying. It was wild from him. I don't know what he was thinking. And that sort of set his back. He glitched out, didn't he? He had a glitch sure in the did. matrix. He didn't know what bit, was going on. There's a bit <laughs> in the, Brass Eye where someone takes a, a designer drug cake and gets run over because he thinks he's got a month to cross the road or something like that. <laughs> Joe Hart seemed like he, he felt like he had a month to get to that ball and clear it. I don't know what was going on with him at all. He waited for so, so long. It was painful and the second goal as well was a cross in and Starfelt gets his bearings wrong. But what I was pleased about it was was we weren't... I think they had one chance near the end of the cross to the back post where the boy put it wide, but we weren't ripped open and they were a good team. Yeah. They didn't play well in the first leg, but in the second leg they played very, very well. And if we were talking about Celtic two, three weeks ago, I don't think they would have got through that tie, but they managed to get through it and that was all we could ask of them. It was a tough, tough game out there and we got through it and we got into Europa League something. As soon as we drew Altmar, I was like, well, that's that then. We're looking at the conference probably because mm. it was a very, very difficult tie. To go over there, get a goal, there's goals in us, but there's improvements to be made in the defence. And with these players we've brought in, I think we can do that now. So I'm looking forward to it now. And look, the draw is maybe a bit more difficult than we'd like, but these are all big games and that's the way it should be. We should be looking forward to these. Celtics should be testing themselves against these teams. A German team, a Spanish team and a team that we've failed against last season. So we'll be able to see how far we've come in a season when we play Ferenc Faros, but I'm looking forward to it. See the, see the Algmar game overall? I mean, I, I might just begin soft in my old age here, mm. but it's, I, I took that as, yes, a, a very trying evening. It was tense, tense as all shit to watch. Of course it was. But I took it as a positive mainly because I were up against it at times in the you know, second half. Celtic looked like they were playing with 10 men. Right. Uh, such was Algmar's dominance. But mainly, but for two hilarious shootings of our own foot in yes. the in the opening half, Celtic were Celtic rolled it out. They dug it out, and that's mm-hmm. to be commended. Like they didn't, yeah, they lost on the night, but they got through against a decent team, a team we'd never, as I said, like never gave us a hope of of beating. I mean, <laughs> Celtic shot themselves in the foot so many times in that game. They basically ran out of bullets and had to reload at one point. And it's then they're clicking, clicking at our own foot, like something at a point break. So it was to to have rode that out and to actually get through. Then I, I, I give Celtic credit for that because it was a nightmare to watch. But job done. I think it's a difficult test going into Europe. I mean, uh, I was just looking through some of the squads all day. You know, Real Betis are a pretty strong team. They got a few ex Barcelona players in there. Back to Seville. 
Yeah, back to Seville. Still got Joaquin there. Unbelievably. <laughs> yeah, still going. Aye, what, what absolute football manager legend. Ex-Man City, Claudio Bravo. He's still sitting there as well with uh, Hector Real Bellin Betis. signed uh, yesterday uh, as well. Yeah, they brought in Hector Bellin. And Bayer Leverkusen, German teams are always going to be strong. It's, it's going to be a tough test. But From us coming home. From Bong Darby. Yeah, yeah. Aye. Um, looking at it, Melly, how do you think our chances stand? Um, I think... We possibly get through second place, but if not third place, then we can get a conference after Christmas. Mm. So I'd take that. And look, I'm just happy. I'm not happy to be in it, but after the summer, everything that happened to Celtic, I thought we are going to struggle to get into Europa League the way things went. We've managed to do that a wee bit better than I thought. So go and embrace it now and enjoy it. These are big teams, not quite the Champions League, but Celtic are nowhere near ready for that. So a season here see how we get on and hopefully get European football after Christmas somewhere or the other. I kind of feel, Stephen, that today, first podcast we've recorded after the transfer window was at the 1st of September. I feel like this is the beginning now. I feel yeah. like all, all of that was fault-finding, testing, recovery, rebuilding. This is us now. We go. There's um, almost no excuses, no opportunities for change. We've got the squad. We've got to run with it until January. Hopefully... We'll start putting the groundwork and get some key additions in, in January because the work's not done. The work is far from done. Um, this squad, I don't think, will see us through the season. Key mm. injuries to the likes of Callum McGregor, I think, leave oh. us really short. <laughs> and the amount of football that young guy has played over the past couple of years, he must be looking at the squad and going, "God, no, I'm in for it again. I've got another. <laughs> I've got another one again this season. Sixty odd games, or whatever he's going to have to end up playing. So, look, major surgery's been done. Um, we played Rangers. We get beat. Wasn't the ideal, but it wasn't an absolute stoning. We've we've got this team's got a long way to go, but it is only the beginning for this team, and I'm encouraged with the, the direction it's heading just now. It's encu- and I feel like, you know, we're getting to the point where we can maybe wash our hands of last season, forget about it. We can <laughs> stop gone. referencing it. The players are gone, the manager's gone, the season's gone. It's going to be a tight, tight league. This though, isn't it? It's going to be very judging by judging by the way Rangers. I mean, they didn't bring him in really, but they, they didn't really lose anybody either. It's going to be a, a ding dong battle for this title. I think we finally exercised last season. Then finally, we well, I'll br- next week uh, we'll be back in the studio bringing a an old priest and a young priest, <laughs> and we can exercise the demon of last season. Yeah, I, I think I said last week that in a way the season will start next weekend. You know, referring to that weekend just passed and. Uh, in a sense, I, I think I still agree with that. We've found out a lot in the last week. A couple of setbacks. The transfer window is closed. But we've seen what Celtic are made of in these bigger games. Yes, Alkmaar was a positive. Not so much Rangers, but we are progressing ever so steadily. Not mm. not quickly enough for a lot of people, probably myself included. But it was always going to take time. Tremendous damage done, as we've already said, over the last couple of years. And we need to fix that now. So, yeah, the, the, it starts now and... To reference what something you said earlier, Jamie, about how nothing ever really happens in January, this year might be different because mm. if we are to go back to that Asian market, as has been suggested by a lot of people, probably Ange included, that's when that will happen mm-hmm. because their, their season yeah. is uh, aligned differently to ours. So we might see a wee bit of movement on that front. So, yeah, the only way is up from now on. We, we can only hope, but good to get the transfer window closed and see what we're dealing with. Just uh, on one last thing on the Europa League draw. A question for you, lads. What would you rather play for your free match package? £112 or £72? <laughs> I'll put that to you. Yeah. Is that what it is? Is that, is that a clear 40 quid of a difference? Uh, <laughs> they're absolutely getting fleeced. I mean, they don't care. Human. The Huns don't care. They don't care. They're winning the league. They'll pay them. A couple of mates do care. Oh, do they? Yes. Oh, well, we'll see how long that lasts. Anyway, we have spoken enough on this episode of 20 Minute Tim's full scouting reports on all the players we've just signed will be available on patreon.com slash 20 Minute Tim's we will be previewing and reviewing all the Celtic games going forward we've got a lot of new listeners but even if you just want to support the podcast you want to chuck us a couple of quid every month for two quid 250 or whatever it is every month patreon.com slash 20 Minute Tim's we're very very appreciative of it Stephen would you like to say goodbye Yes, I would. And to add to that, a wee review wouldn't go amiss, folks. Yeah. A wee review on Apple Podcasts or Podcast Addict. as well. Just yep, those anything. are always very helpful. They, those help us out a lot, so we'd really appreciate Five stars, mind. Five, five stars is important. Fire Mel- is one of those, but thank you and goodbye. Melly, would you like to say goodbye? Bye and God bless. Thank you for listening. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.